is Susan. And this is Katie. This is Portia. And welcome to another episode of She Speaks Stories. And Portia, one of your friends is with us. One of my friends is with us. I'm so excited for all of our listeners to hear from my friend, Laura Furman. She is amazing. I'm also excited because Laura and I both live in Minnesota. And so yes. <laughs> there's some synergy because we are actually in the same state, breathing the same oh. air. <laughs> so good. And I hear it's cool air up there in the state of, of Minnesota, unlike in the state of Virginia, where we're all has come and we are thankful. But you know what? You don't have to be mad at us if you're in places where it's not warm because come January, February, it's not, it, it's, mm, just <laughs> Um, Portia said it's mm. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I don't think I'm exaggerating. Laura, am I exaggerating? No, it's the worst. <laughs> I don't, so I, when it comes to January, I'm always like, why, why do I live here? Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of questioning that happens in January. Wow. Laura is an amazing person. And um, I, when I was telling the, the girls about you, Laura, I said, you know, she's small and petite, but she's a powerhouse. Mm. And I think the best way to describe Laura Furman is she's a person who, when the Lord whispers an idea to her, she says, okay, let's go do it. It never occurs to you out loud anyway, that God would not do what God put in your heart to do. And so I have learned a tremendous amount from just being around you for the last six, seven months Mm -hmm. because a mutual friend introduced us. And so our listeners are going to be so blessed Mm -hmm. by the power punch that comes in Laura Herman. <laughs> I love it. Watch out. Ooh, that's good. Thanks so much, Portia. Uh, well, welcome, Laura. We are so, so, so glad that you are with us. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. so honored to be here, you guys. Now, yeah. I will say, uh, Gwen chatted with you. And when she got off the phone with you, she called me and she was like, oh, my heavens, how <laughs> you're going to love Laura's story. And it is going to be so fabulous. So I want to just kick right off. And I want you to describe the stepping stones that led you because you started a nonprofit. So yeah. can you describe the stepping stones that got you to that point? Yeah. Okay. So I grew up in a family where my mom was a prayer warrior and my dad was just super generous with his time. And, um, and so they really laid this foundation for me, um, of just what it means to follow Jesus and to really war through the things that come at us in this life and to give generously to those around us. And so, um, I feel really grateful just with that foundation that I had underneath me. Um, and that, you know, in growing up, you know, when you come to faith as a child, uh, it takes some time for it to become your own. Right. And so, um, when I was 18, I decided to go to Nepal on a mission trip and mission trips were something that, you know, I went to New Mexico growing up with my family. Um, it was just part of our life. My mom still goes to Mexico on a regular basis and just, um, she speaks fluent Spanish and, Um, loves those people there. And so missions and serving has just been a part of my life growing up. And so it just made sense, like, when I graduated from high school to go to go overseas. And so I went to Nepal. And we were doing a lot of street ministry. Um, It was my first time actually praying with someone to receive Jesus, like sharing with them who he was, and what he did, and that they could 
receive him. And they did, and they'd never heard of even the name of Jesus before. And so that really like planted in me just a passion for the lost to be saved and for those that don't know Jesus to know him and the hope that he brings. And so um, that was amazing. Um, And then after that trip, we went to Bangkok, Thailand for a debriefing. So it was I was on a team, um, it was called Royal Servants, and they brought high schoolers overseas. And so it was just a time for us to debrief our time in Nepal. And one of the activities that we were going to do there was um, walk through, do a prayer walk through the Pat Pong Market, which is just a market in Bangkok where there's bars lining um, both sides of the market. And um, I I wasn't sure what we were going to see or what we were going to experience. But as we're walking through the market, <clears throat> there was just bars landing with windows and poles and women um, like deadpan, just dancing on, you know, at these bars on the poles. And, um, and it wasn't just like one or two, there was like 15 per bar. And it just astonished me. And I, as I'm walking, there's this little boy that, came up to me and there was little, you know, children that had these menus. Um, I apologize. This might be kind of graphic for your listeners. Um, but they had these menus um, that had pictures of different positions that you could purchase for, from these women mm. at these bars. And wow. um, so that was my first time seeing firsthand just human trafficking um, happening in, in my life. And this little, this little boy that was at this one bar, I think maybe I made eye contact with him or something, but he followed me through the whole market and just kept trying to have me, you know, look at this menu and pick something. And which I thought was really interesting because, you know, there was men with us, there was boys with us. Like, why would he target me, you know, to, to be following and trying to talk to. And now, you know, I was 18. I was so naive. And now, you know, I know, I know more, And so I know, you know, he was probably being trafficked as well. He was in slavery and trying to get my attention. Right. And, um, and I just, I just didn't know. And so it was in that moment that God really planted in me a seed, um, that I was going to be ministering to women who are broken and, um, and just his rescue heart. And Mm -hmm. so, um, that's just, that's where it all started for me. Um, and so came back from that trip, went to college, uh, graduated with a social work degree um, and did a number of different, you know, jobs, worked in a homeless shelter for a while. I um, and then got married and started having babies right away. And um, and so my work life kind of, you know, went downhill. We, I just was a stay at home mom. And. Um, but when I got pregnant, me and my husband had been married for one month when we found out. And Uh so to me, that in itself was like, felt like a, it was super stressful and kind of felt like a crisis, but I had like so much support system around me. I have an amazing family had a husband, you know, we were, I was working like it was fine. We had all the things. Um, but if I was stressed out and feeling overwhelmed, how much more was a woman who maybe was in a crisis pregnancy with nobody, no support, how much more, you know, overwhelmed would she feel? And so 
Um, <clears throat> so God just, you know, again, like with this whole um, passion for women in me, um, I went in the route of volunteering at a crisis pregnancy center. Um, I originally, this is a funny story. I had no idea back then. It was like 2008, 2009. I didn't know there was pregnancy centers. So I'm like, okay. And this is my extremeness, you know, I'm like, okay, I got to figure out how can I find these women? Well, I'm going to go see if there's any job openings at Planned Parenthood. And then I'll just go and work undercover and (laughs) undercover, you know? And so I went to go look at the job description and I was, I almost threw up. So I was like, nope. Okay. That's not going to happen. Um, and then ended up finding a pregnancy center that I ended up volunteering at and later working for. Wow. Um, and it was interesting because all the, whenever I was volunteering, I would get all the calls of the women that were wanting an abortion. Wow. Um, and my director was like, nobody ever, like nobody ever gets these calls, just you. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, it's just God, God knows, I guess. And, um, and so I just, yeah, that again, just grew my passion for these ladies in crisis, um, and in bondage. And one of the things I realized in working there was that um, in the in the pregnancy crisis pregnancy world, there's just a lot of times these centers are underneath an umbrella, and they can only serve you know women to a certain point um, or at a certain you know they're just they're addressing the pregnancy. They're not necessarily addressing all the other things going on in their lives. Um, but I was noticing that there were so many women. The pregnancy piece was just a symptom of all the other things that were going on. So there was, you know, there's a, they're stuck in abusive relationships. They're homeless living in their car because of mental health issues. They're, you know, just different things. Um, and we weren't really able to help these women, um, holistically. And so I had one woman who came in one day and she was 19 years old and had a 19 month old baby. And she had grown up in the foster care system and had nobody, um, literally nobody, was alone on holidays, had no idea what she was doing parenting, had no one to call, had no one to ask for help. Um, And her child was too old to be served by our program. And so I was trying to figure, find an organization that I could, you know, have her connect to that could help with all the things. Um, that could mentor her, could, you know, just be a friend, could um, help her find the resources she needed to give her parenting advice, you know, just all those different things. And I couldn't find anything that, you know, operated like that in what she needed. And so I came home and I was just talking to my husband about it one day. And um, he was like, well, why don't you just start your own thing? (laughs) Well... I can't do that. And he's like, well, why not? And so that again, just planted something in me and I sat on it for about a year and a half. Um, and during that year and a half, my husband lost his job. I got pregnant with our third baby at that point. Um, we had to move out of our house into my grandpa's house. So we were homeless, jobless, pregnant, and, Um, just depression and anxiety had taken up residence in our home 
because my husband had lost his job. And, and so I was, you know, having to go by his bed every day and pray that he would get up and then the oppression would lift. So we were just in a really, a really hard time, stressful. And, um, but it was during that time that God, he nudged me and was like, okay, it's time. (laughs) And I'm like, what? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would I start something mentoring women when I need to be mentored right now? I need need help. And he was like, that's exactly why you're going to start it right now, because it's going to be me, not you. It's going to be me. And so, yeah, that's, that's when the well started. And that is, so we mentor women towards freedom. We come alongside them um, in whatever crisis they're going through. So whether that's a crisis pregnancy, whether it, they're in an abusive relationship, maybe they're an addict and they want to get to treatment, um, maybe you know a single mom who might just be needing some extra support. Um, you, where do you get the referrals from? Like, how do you find these ladies? Yeah. So we connect to churches, we're connected to governmental organizations like the county. Um, And so we've gotten referrals from the county or other, you know, pregnancy centers. So we're kind of like the next, the next step after pregnancy center, even Um, just to like do life with these women, Mm -hmm. because, you know, a lot of times maybe they'll choose life for their baby, but then, then what? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, this reminds me so much. I was, uh, um, I graduated in social work as well. Okay. It reminds me so much of, um, of two things. One, um, I was a social worker for Head Start. Yeah. I got to come along the side, the mom and the dad while their kid was in preschool. Okay. And, uh, it really is just, it's providing a support system for a family that does not have a support system. Yeah. And what I realized when I was so young. I was like 20 or one when I started being a social worker. I was so green and knew nothing that I was doing. But something dawned on me in that so many Christians want to say pro-life, pro-life, pro-life. But then when those lives come into the world, there is no support for those lives. When really pro-life means cradle to grave. Yeah. And that if you are pro-life, you are pro all of life. That's yeah. good. And I love what you're doing because you are pro all of life in trying yeah. to say, now that you've done this, let me walk hand in hand. So what, tell me like a typical client or a typical, I don't even know if you call them clients. I don't know what you call them. What, yeah. is the, what does that look like? What do you have to do to uh, this? Oh my goodness. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. So what, um, what does it look like? Um, say you do have a mom that comes in, she doesn't have a sports system. What would you do? Right. Okay. Well, can I, can I, can can I explain it to you with a story? Yes. Well, you know, stories. Oh, no, you can. Okay. okay. So I think that this story really paints a really cool picture of just the holistic, you know, from square one to today, yeah. how we work with women. So, um, so one day I was just at the office and saw this woman walking through our parking lot and was, had just was praying, I think, and looking out the window and, Um, she was pushing a stroller and just looked kind of disheveled. And, um, so I ran out to her and was like, Hey, I'm Laura and we serve women. 
this is what we do. If you ever need any, you know, help, we'd love to be here for you. And she was like, yeah, can I come up right now? And so she came up, we just chatted and, you know, found out she had a six month old little boy. She was working nights at a hospital or, a, you know, uh, I don't know, some kind of, you know, extended care place. And, um, she was just struggling and she thought she might be pregnant. Mm -hmm. So we did a pregnancy test with her and found out that she was. And so, you know, we took just the next couple days and a week or so to, you know, line up ultrasound for her. We helped her find a better living situation with a family that could be a support. We, um, we're going to bring her to all our appointments. Uh, we are going to help her get formula and baby food and baby items. Like we do a layette or you have, you know, um, a, like a laundry basket full of diapers and wipes and new baby clothes and just all the things that you would need to start, you know, start off. So we had it all laid out for her and, you know, winter ultrasound and everything. Um, and she was just like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. Um, I don't know if I can feed another baby. Like I just, I really don't like, which is, you know, that really rocked my world to hear her response was just like, it was out of compassion for this child actually, mm-hmm. where she didn't know she could feed it. So it wasn't, so she had wanted to get an abortion. And, um, and so, you know, we thought, okay, well, we'll line everything up for her. So she's got all the things she needs. Um, but at the end of the day, she still got the abortion mm-hmm. and we were just devastated and like, well, wh- why, why did she still get the abortion? But you know what it came down to is how, how does she know she could trust us mm-hmm. in a week? You know, everyone else in her life has let her down. Yeah. Um, why would we be any different to her? And so we just kept loving on her. We filled her fridge after she, that happened. Mm-hmm. We kept visiting her and loving on her little guy, you know, giving, helping with formula. And I had one woman who was a mutual friend of ours, which um, she's an amazing woman, but she was just like, you're getting taken for a ride. Like you need to stop mm-hmm. loving on her this way. Cause she's just using you. And I'm like, well, then she can use me. Like she can use us like Amen. whatever, you know, I love that response. Oh, yeah. I love it. Because, you know, at at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, people will, they, you know, they'll take advantage of you. But you know what, if we just, I just am really passionate about like, all right, well, we're just going to keep loving, even if the motive's weird on one side, you know, so we just kept loving on her. Um, She came back in and thought she was pregnant again. And so we did another test on her or with her. And she was and but this time, you know what? She decided to keep baby because she had a support system around her and people she could trust. And so I got to be in the delivery room with her. It was like her and Stop her boyfriend. it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm on one leg and her boyfriend's on the other one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that is beautiful. the greatest. That is the greatest. I yeah. mean, tell me that's not a support system. You holding the leg of the woman. Yeah. That's the baby. Yeah. I am. That is just the most beautiful. Thing. Yeah, it was amazing. And you know, it, during it, you know, I could tell she was struggling. I'm like, can I pray for you? And she's not a believer at this point. And <clears throat> she's like, yes, please. 
So I'm praying for her while she's in labor and like, it just totally baby came like really fast after that. And, you know, the pain subsided and she was like, you prayed for me. And I actually felt God's presence when you did that. And so that was just, you know, it's special, super special. Um, and now she's got these two beautiful boys, um, about our relationship has been about five years at this point. And I'm going to see her on Monday. So it's just, it's like this, uh, it's really cool to see, you know, how her life has shifted. There's been ups and downs, you know, she left her abusive boyfriend. She's gotten a full-time job, put kids into preschool. Um, she gave her life to Jesus about two years ago and she's, she's thriving and, you know, off of, you know, welfare, she's able to provide for herself, which has given her a ton of dignity. And, um, Lord, you know what I love about this? There's so many things I love about this story. Mm -hmm. And one of them is it is such a, the truth of this story shows what we can believe about ourselves when we have people believing it with us. Right. No one supporting her and you provided belief. I mean, you really did. You provided support and belief. And I love that. And the other thing I love is that so many times the big C church, the big C church is known for such um, judgmental behavior. I mean, they're also known for such beautiful behavior, but they can be known for such judgmental behavior. And what I love is um, even though she had that abortion, man, you, it made you lean in harder and you loved her harder yeah. and you did not say, well, look at there. I mean, you know what I mean? Right. You loved her because the truth of the matter is mm-hmm. she had no support system. Right. And she, as you said, yeah. she was scared and she mm-hmm. really didn't believe she could take care of that child. And right. I just love how you, you became that support system. And I mean, my golly, if somebody even right now is listening to this that is experiencing any ounce of loneliness where they think they can't move forward, yeah. your story right there tells me what community does for us. Community. Yeah. Oh, totally. It changes your whole, you know, I think when we have someone believing in us or speaking life over us, um, it can change just your paradigm. It changes, you know, everything. Like, for example, she even, this is totally uh a different concept here, but, you know, I was sharing with her one time that my husband was buying a business or we were buying a business and she was like, what you can do that. She, I mean, like didn't even realize like that was something that's possible to do. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes we just think, yeah, we need people in our lives that are speaking things over us that we didn't even realize were possible because then it makes it, it like opens our world up to every, you know, so much more. Yeah. And well, for her, it was like, oh, I can, I could parent two kids because I, you know, now I've got this support system over here and mm-hmm. she's giving me resources where I can learn how to provide for them better. And, you know, meals that I can make that are going to be better for them and cheaper for me. And, you know, just like little things like that. It helped her along the way to, to get where she is today. And uh, I love that so much. I cannot so tell you how much I love that. Yeah, it's so simple, actually, you know, and that's, that's what I want people to know is like, 
it's not like, I don't have to have a degree to do this. You know, I don't have to have the social work degree to do it. Like ultimately I'm it's living compassionately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you're sitting on people's floors and holding their babies and filling their fridges and looking in their eyes and saying, I love you. And how can I support you? And you're worth it. So it's, I mean, it's really, it's not hard. It's not. Do Do you have like a team of volunteers or how does that work? Yeah. Yep. So we, um, I've got about 10 volunteers right now and, uh, we're in the process of training them up to mentor right now. Um, I've just, I'm the one mentoring right now. Um, and so, yeah, but we, it takes an army, you know, and I think one of the most beautiful parts about training up more people to do this is that, that it just expands our reach and expands people's you know minds to oh I can do this in my daily life not just at the well you know I can see people right in front of me and love them love my neighbor you know I can just take initiative to you know I see this mom struggling over here maybe I should go bring her a meal you know yeah Mm -hmm. just in Minneapolis right yeah yep man this is a model that could really go Beautiful. Oh, Minneapolis. Can Golly, it's so good. Me, Laura, um, yeah, when, when God said, okay, now, <laughs> I'm just always so curious, like in the details, not nitty gritty, but okay, yeah. you get this vision, you've got passion in your heart. Yeah. And now you kind of get marching orders, but where, where do you even start to, yeah. to start a ministry like that? Like, what did you do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had been talking about it for the whole, you know, the year and a half prior, just with different people. Um, Maybe um, women that I had uh, volunteered with at the pregnancy center or just friends of mine. Um, And so I kind of gotten a list of ladies that had told me, well, let me know when you're ready. Mm -hmm. And so I contacted all those ladies and we just did a vision night and it was, you know, I'm a big vision person. I am not a detail person. And so I'm like, all right, I want to change the world. Let's create a movement. And this is what I want to do. And they have so many questions. And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> They're like, okay, Sister, you are speaking my language. I totally get that. <laughs> yeah. So we just did a vision night. I got three, three other ladies that were like, okay, I'm in. And then we just met for like a year on a like monthly basis and figured out what our mission was going to be, what we were going to be doing specifically um, and all of that. And then we got a, uh, a sponsor, like a fiscal sponsor from another nonprofit. So they were over us. So we didn't have to get our nonprofit status in order to bring in funding or anything yet. Yes. So that was our huge, like, that's what we needed to, to go. And so they were a fiscal sponsor for about two years as we worked on the process of getting our nonprofit status. So that is fabulous. And someone gave you an office or you just kind of partnered? Oh, you froze for a second there. Oh, I'm sorry. How did you get like an office and a space where people could come and all that? Yeah. So our fiscal sponsor had a big building that a warehouse building that they owned and we, they allowed us just to have space there for free. Perfect. So wow. We, we used their space. We used, they had storage so we could put all of our, you know, materials there. Um, 
Yeah. So it was awesome. And we were there for the first, from 2013 until 2018. So five years. And we just moved up to the cities um, in January. So we are in a new space. We're paying rent now. And um, it's been really awesome. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. I just like our listeners to hear it. Sure. You know, what may have seemed like an overwhelming task to you, you weren't in the best situation in your own life. And yet God's like now. Yeah. But when he, when he calls you to do something, he really does lead you and equip you. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why I like to hear the details. Oh, I think that gives other people the courage to go, this is a crazy idea, but yeah. and it feels so big, but each step of the way, God could provide God and, and he will, if it's, if it's his vision. Oh, yeah. I love, love, love that. We throw around the little cliche. Oh, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, <laughs> but you, you guys are actually being the hands and feet of Jesus. You actually are. Um, Finding the lonely, the, you know, and yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. Now tell me this. You've got a conference. The well is hosting a conference in Minneapolis this fall yes. and our very own fabulous Portia is MC, which you know, couldn't have a better MC. She's so fabulous. So tell me what is all that about and what's the conference look like? Yeah. So, okay. So we at the well, we mentor women. Um, that's just our mantra. Um, and so we mentor women on a one-on-one basis through our, our programming, um, but also on a macro level, um, and that's through the conference. So our hope is that we can mentor women on a large scale by bringing them in, sharing with them just people's stories. And um, Woo-hoo! I love yeah. that. I know because we all can relate to stories, right? She's yes. Yeah. Um, and and we can, you know. So I've got. I've got a couple ladies coming and speaking that have incredible stories. One that was rescued or was trafficked from Minneapolis to Las Vegas mm-hmm. um, in the nineties. Her name is Annie Lobert. She started hookers for Jesus. And yes, they- I know about her. Okay. Yeah. She's amazing. Crazy story. And so she's going to come and just share her story, share what she's, you know, the conference it's broken up into three, Parts. So we want people to encounter Jesus because without Jesus and an encounter with him, uh, we don't have anything. Right. Right. That's and, right. And so the whole premise is we want, we, we, we kind of want to break off the, like the hustle, do more rhetoric that um, a lot of, I think just society and even the church are speaking into right now, because I think it's, it stops people from action actually. And cause it just seems overwhelming. And, um, what we're, what God is really speaking to me right now is just the story about Mary at Bethany and how she broke, you know, the flask, this flask of expensive perfume at Jesus feet and, you know, washed, washed his feet with her tears. Um, it's, you know, out of Mark 14, eight through nine, And, you know, what would it look like? The question that we want to ask people is what would it look like if we just sat at Jesus' feet, if we broke the flask of our lives at his feet and let his aroma, you know, cover us, Mm -hmm. that's going to make an impact in the world around us. And so, you know, 
what if we stopped all the hustle and we just stopped and looked at Jesus in his eyes and just was with him? Because when we encounter him, then that's when he grabs our hand, brings us out on the water to do impossible things with him, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's my story. It was just, it was just like, okay, I'm okay. Come out, Laura, come out on the water with me. That's calling, right? He's calling us out to, on the water with him mm-hmm. and um, we can do a miraculous things with him. And so that's the idea at the conference is we want people to encounter Jesus. We want them to be awakened to the world around them. And so, you know, that's why we're bringing in stories like this uh, of Annie's um, we're going to be having, you know, stories of hope. So Portia's going to share at this point too, where, you know, we got real life ladies on the stage and, you know, one's going to share about her abortion. One's going to share about eating disorder. One's, you know, Portia's going to talk about, was it control? Yeah. 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 And, and, um, was there someone else? I don't remember. Um, I think that's it. No, um, prostitution and um, the sex industry getting out of that. So anyway, it's just going to be, you know, we're sharing real life stories. We want women to feel like they can begin, you know, that they can, whatever that begin looks like, maybe it's beginning to just sit at Jesus feet. Maybe it's beginning the relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's beginning to get free from addiction. Maybe it's being free from, you know, feeling like you want to have control of everything, you know, like mm-hmm. whatever it might be. We just want to encourage women to um, be with Jesus ultimately and I to begin that. walking in who they've been called to be. Yeah. So that is going to be a good conference. That's yeah. going to be exciting. And the, yeah. honestly, that is so our heart with this podcast. Mm-hmm. We, we have that same hope and yeah. Don't we guys? Awesome. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Laura, where is where is the conference? Yeah. <laughs> like, where do I need to go? <laughs> I mean, I know. I want the listeners to know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Portia was asking where it was. Like, yeah, Portia might need the driving direction. <laughs> yeah. It is in North Minneapolis at Sanctuary Covenant Church and um, November 16th. And it's a 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. ordeal. So we've got, you know, three speakers. We've got um, a woman who is a recording artist. She's going to be doing a concert. We've mm-hmm. got some breakouts and um, some healing, art healing that's going to happen, prayer rooms and all sorts of fun stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So if you're in the Minneapolis area, please come. We would love to have you. I love it. Yeah. I love that so much. Fabulous. Susan, I wish we could just pop in the car. Don't you know? I know that's what I was thinking. I want to get on an airplane and go. <laughs> Come on up for real. I know. Okay, so I have another one one other question. Yes. I have two other questions, but here's one. Okay, okay. so a little birdie told us that you have a high heel shoe line. Come on. I need you to tell me what in the world is that all about? And I need to know, do you have on high heels right now? Oh, shoot, I don't, but I can get one. so cute. Okay, so tell me about your high heel line, because this is fascinating. Yeah, okay, so I know business, but I do not know much about fundraising, Mm -hmm. and I don't really like it. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, okay, what if we just start a business to bring in funding for the well instead of 
you know, trying to bring in funds? Like, what if we brought value to people and we could, you know, raise money that way? And so we, you know, just, just, I don't know, somehow me and my husband, again, were looking at online for, I think it was for our daughter for something and found that you could get these high heels made custom. Mm -hmm. And we were like, huh, how cool would it be to have high heels for the while? Like it just, you know, kind of a redeem the heel because the heel or the stiletto is a picture of prostitution. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, like what if it could be a source, a place of a vision of strength Mm -hmm. and dignity rather than, um, the other. So, Come on. Uh, so yeah, so we just started down that road and, um, created a shoe line. Um, right now we've got two in play. One is a, um, you know, very colorful. We've got stripes, we've got patterns, florals mm-hmm. on these heels. And, um, and then another one that we're working on right now is a higher end shoe line. That's, um, it's leather and, just wonderful. They're expensive. Um, I have big visions for the shoe line. I believe that it could, I want it to even shift culture, shift the culture. Like what, you know, what if, love that, you know, I have this, the Lord. Okay. This is, this is kind of funny, but, and I, I can't believe I'm saying it on here, but the Lord has put on my heart, Lady Gaga. Like, yeah, I've been like in my car sometimes and I'll just start weeping for Lady Gaga. And I'm like, what is this God? I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't even know. I just have such a like compassion for that woman. Mm -hmm. And, And so I'm like, what if we could create a shoe line for Lady Gaga. I can go and hang out with her. I can speak life over her and pray over her and see her life transformed. She actually has a voice in the culture. Mm -hmm. Like what if we could get in the lives of people that have voice in culture and what is being said, you know? Come on. I love that. It's bold. Yeah. And and I I like that you even said, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. (laughs) Because, um, you don't want it to just be you. You want yeah. it to be God putting this desire, this vision. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a big one. But it's, it's so it's, cool. It is so cool. Yeah. What's the name of the shoe line and how do we yeah. find these shoes? Because yeah. that, I know what you mean about fundraising. That can just, yeah. oh, and then it just mm-hmm. sags down your whole ministry because yeah. it always feels like you're asking for money. But to start a business, to fund your nonprofit, I love that. And I love the vision of the high heel, you know, redeeming the meaning of a high heel. I love that because they are cool, but obviously, um, like you said, they can symbolize something that is way not cool. Uh, So what's the name of the shoe line and how do we find the shoes? For sure. So it's called Agent, like a secret agent. Okay. And it the name is based off of okay, so in the Revolutionary War, General Washington had a special spy ring that was called the Culper Spy Ring. And in this spy ring, I can't remember if there was like 12 spies, I think. And one of the spies is a woman. She was the only woman, and she's unnamed. Nobody knows her name. 
Um, but because of the intelligence that she brought to the spy ring, she helped save this country and bring freedom to this country. Mm-hmm. And her, they referred to her as um, Agent 355. And so um, that is... the that's the name of our shoe line is called agent in hopes that when you buy our shoes, you become an agent for freedom. And so, um, yeah. I okay. Love I'm done. I mean, are you kidding me? Story. <laughs> I know this is so good. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, I mean, you can find them. It's just agentarmy.org, And I think they'll put, that in the show notes probably but I will I will put that in the notes and I will make sure we highlight that on our socials because that is too good yeah, so I love it I love it yeah oh, my okay I have one last question mm-hmm. what is the one thing that you want us to remember from your story yeah hmm you know I think I think I really want people to know that maybe even the thing that you feel like you're just treading water in right now, the, the crisis that you might feel like you're in the very thing that feels like a burden um, in your life might be the very thing that God wants to like help you walk on the water with and wants to do the miraculous in your life with and use you to minister to those that are maybe going through or have gone through a similar thing. And so, um, I think oftentimes we wait, we want to wait to do the thing that God's calling us to till it's all put into a pretty package and a pretty bow. Um, But ultimately, like if you just walk out in the middle of the crazy, he will meet you there and, um, and do incredible things in you. You know, I just think, um, I just think about, yeah, my story. And it was not an ideal time to start the well. It was not, um, I did not have resources to do it. I did not have um, the time to do it, what I thought. But God loves to give good gifts to his children. And he will give you the Holy Spirit to walk with you and to lead you and guide you. And so I just hope people come away today believing that, with Jesus, anything is possible. Anything. Laura, it. it reminds me of one of my favorite, favorite little set of verses in Philippians that mm-hmm. says, work out your salvation. Yeah. You're in trembling, mm-hmm. knowing that yeah. it is God who is at work within you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I love that so much because so it gives me such hope that you get a desire in your heart for something. And if you are honestly trying to walk with God, you can know that that is him having you have that desire, but then he also is going to equip you to do it. And our only responsibility is to go ahead and work that out with respect. You know, the fear and trembling is not like he's going to slap you if you don't do exactly, you know, like you're afraid that he's going to punish you, but that the healthy respect of God, you know what you're doing and I am yours. I respect you so much that you've put this desire in my heart and you're going to help me work it out. And I'm going to just do it. And that's what I see in your story. You just did it. And I love it. (laughs) And you keep doing it and you keep doing it. 
it's just a learning, a dependency on him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think even just seeing, seeing him, um, move in my husband's life when my husband was so depressed Mm -hmm. and, you know, seeing the power of prayer to move, you know, the demonic away from us in those moments was so powerful to me. It was like, okay, he's here for us. He, he, he's teaching us how to pray. He's teaching me how to walk um, in partnership and in tandem with him. Mm -hmm. And if I can trust him to do this in my husband's life, like I can trust him to, to walk this out, you know, in all areas of my life, um, even the well. So yeah, it's an honor. It's an honor to be hand in hand with him. And um, I, and I am such a, like, I get bored really easily. (laughs) I am not like the fact that I'm doing the well and it's been seven years is like, it's crazy. It was not my thing. Like I would have moved on a while ago. I mean, there was so many days and let me tell you what, like, it is not easy. It is not like all flowers and bunnies. Like, you know, um, it's hard. And there's been days where I've been like, I am out, I'm done. This is, we're over. And then he's like, he'll just, he'll, he'll bring some little miracle, you know? And, and, um, so it's, that's, what's then kept me going. He keeps me going. And this is his, this is his thing. I just get to be a part of it, which is pretty sweet. I, love I feel that. like your story, Laura, just shows us Galatians 6 to not become weary in well-doing mm-hmm. because yeah. in due time you'll reap a harvest if you faint not. So in that season when the well was even birthed, when it came into being, that was a hard season where you, you I don't know if you remember you said this, right? Every day I would go over to my husband's side of the bed and I would pray for him. And yeah. I would pray that the oppression would lift and it yeah. would lift. Yeah. And then when you were telling us the story about one of the women who you saw out your window yeah. for three years, you poured life and love into her. And then she accepted Jesus Christ and you're still in relationship with her. Because I think sometimes in Western church culture, it's like, let's get them saved. Let's get them to say the sinner's prayer and then we're done. And then we move on. But you just exemplified, be a friend, show up, be consistent. And that, that is worth volumes in our very quick, quick, quick culture. There's so much in your story of I'm just going to stay at it because this is what God has asked me to do. That's true. That's good. I love that. Laura, thank you for being with us. You, I'm my goodness. I'm telling you, I'm so excited about this because I firmly believe that this could be a model that is replicated in so many cities. And Mm -hmm. I think, um, it's a model that can work in big cities and small towns. Mm -hmm. And it is, um, it is a vision of empathy that God is going to use to transform mm-hmm. women. And then in turn, it transforms generations. It transforms Good. communities because yeah. when people have support, it makes culture better. Yes. Oh, yeah. And sure. Man, you, I just can see God expanding. What I love is, is that I too am one that can get bored easily. And what I love is that God takes things to the next level when he knows how he's wired us. And I just see, and I mean, I'm not sitting here trying to say I am prophesying this, but I am telling you, this could be a model that could transform major cities and small towns. And that's a beautiful thing. I receive that because that's my big vision. You know, I look at it like a well in a village in Africa. Okay. That's a place where everybody comes for their water. Yeah. And um, that's, 
that's what our hope is, is that, you know, I think you think about the woman at the well, she was the first evangelist. She, she encountered Jesus and, and then she wanted her whole village to know about him and brought her whole village to meet him when she was feeling like ashamed. I mean, she came to the well at the heat of the day, not when all the other women were coming in the morning, you know? And so the fact that she encountered Jesus, he transformed her life and met her in her disgrace and then she, you know, brings her whole village to meet him too. And, and they're transformed. And so that's our hope is that, you know, we see revival in hearts and, and um, generational, destructive generational cycles broken in Jesus' name. Yeah. And yeah, that it affects generations to come and believe that, you know, you know, the model really is, it's, it could be in every city. Yeah. Really Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. That's what I hope um, for. Um, here's what I want you to know listeners is that we are going to put all the ways that you can follow, uh, Laura on our, um, uh, socials and on our website. And that way, because we know many of you, especially if you live local, um, to the area of Minnesota, Minnesota, like it's a city, like you're going (laughs) to Minneapolis. Um, that's, that's like calling Africa a country. Are you kidding me? I just said, if you live local to the Minnesota, anyway, um, if you live local to Minneapolis, um, I, we're going to put everything on there that you need to know, because if you are near that city in November, you need to make your way to that conference. So yeah, you do. Uh, I will tell you this, if we did not live 5 million miles away from it, we would be there in a hop, skip and a jump, but Portia will be there. So you I will be there. there. Smooch Portia on the cheek and smooch Lauren on the cheek, and it will yes. all well in your world. And, it <laughs> so. and we'll smooch you back. There you go. Yeah, we will. Yeah, so we will. <laughs> Laura, thank you for being with us. Thank you have you been so a gem and oh. it's just an inspiration. Oh, absolutely well, inspiring, so, Laura. Thank you, honey. Yeah, thank you so much, you guys. Well, you have a great day. And listeners, we love you guys, and you guys have a great, great weekend. We love you all. Bye. 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 Bye.